Um, one of the things that I wanted to do this morning is just, I just wanted to hear from you guys. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read um, some verses to you out of John 10, and then I'm just going to ask you a very, just going to ask you one very specific question. And if you feel comfortable, and I just, I'd, I, I'd love to call on you guys one at a time, and you can stand up wherever you're at. And if you're like, if that, like, if, if it's shaking you enough to even talk, you can stay seated. It's fine. Um, but, uh, I'm going to ask you to just share, I'm just going to ask you to share, um, I'm just going to ask you to share uh, with me uh, here for a minute. Let me read these verses first, okay? It's in John 10, verse, uh, starting in verse 11, it says this. These are the words of Jesus. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand, however, will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So here's my question, and I would love for you guys to just share with us, uh, and you keep a brief one or two statements, 30 seconds maybe at max, so we can get to uh, enough of you guys. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why? Not what are you doing. I don't want your success stories. I just want to know, like, why are you youth pastors? Why are you children's pastors? Why are you working with youth? Why are you working with kids? Why are you doing what you're doing? I'll give you a minute, and then if any of you are ready to just raise your hand, and I'll call on you. Yeah, Jordan. I mean, like I said, I'm just a product of a kid from the hood who fell in love with Jesus. And um, I know what it feels like to have Jesus in your life. So when you look in the world and you see some of these kids who are hopeless, I can relate to that. And um, I'm thankful for the calling that God has put in my life to be able to relate to that and to shed some hope and some light in this generation so that they can become great, so they can be who God has called them to be and not what the world has labeled them to be. So. Yeah, Quinn. I kind of copy what he says, you know. Um, I grew up, you know, on the rough side of the area. I was adopted, family, you know, super broken. Um, Dad was an alcoholic, mom was a crack addict, you know, sister didn't care, brother was a felon, you know, things like that. So it left me kind of questioning. And when I was a part of a youth group, that was the first time I felt family. Um, you know, leaders pouring into my life, telling me, you can change the world, you can do this. And I questioned and doubted a lot. But when I had that experience with Christ at camp or things like that, like I remember my counselors, you know, things like that, just pouring into my life, I didn't want to leave you know, and the church that I'm at now poured so much into me, like all I can do is give back to those students. Um, being in the position that I'm in, seeing those, you know, it's a make it or break it point. And that was the time of my life in junior high where I just wanted to get up, give up in life. I wanted to give up, but it took, you know, one leader to step in and just be like, you know, take me under his arm and just love me. And that's what I really needed. And that's what I do. Like, I, that's why I do what I do. 
It's awesome. Jake. I just spent the better part of my life chasing what the world tells you to chase and do what the world wants you to do and conform to the world. And once I finally tasted Jesus and what he offers, when, he, when I really tasted it, I knew that that is the thing that was always missing. And with eternity on the line, that's just, I, w I want to point kids that direction. Kind of the whole, don't do as I did, but do as I say kind of a thing. Um, I do what I do because I love our community. I love my little town and the people in it. I grew up a lot like Quentin was talking about, pretty dysfunctional home, and I ran um, away from Shelbyville for a decade and came back, and now I run a part-time pregnancy resource center, and I'm in youth ministry, and I'm in children's ministry because I believe that our community needs to understand love, what love really is and what love really looks like. And the only way to share that love with this community that shaped me is by sharing Jesus with them. Russell? When, uh, and when I was in, in high school, uh, I was following the Lord. No one in my family does. Uh, but uh, there was a moment where God told me that you have to do this. And I prayed for a woman that uh, she was in a nursing home, couldn't walk, gave up on life, and she said, I quit. And I said, can I pray? And God said, God said, pray and see what I can do. So I did. She grabbed me by the shirt and said, what are you doing to get out of high school? And I said, oh, I joined the military, but somebody's told me before that I should be a pastor. And she said, you have to do it. I'm here because God told me to. That's it. That's the only reason. Um, I do what I do because um, I was that kid who was like all alone in a room full of people. I won't take too long, but I went to camp just one year um, as a student, and uh, it was that service where you know you get together with your group and pray for each other or with the leader, or whatever it was. And I got separated from my group right before then. I didn't know it was camping, and um, whoever the speaker said, "Okay, split up. Go with your group." guys with guys, girls with girls, and pray for one another. And uh, couldn't find my group, couldn't find, I was like, ah, oh, it's fine. No. And he said, if anyone, if you don't have anyone, come to the stage, and we'll just make a group up there. And I was like, okay, at least I had that. So I went to the front of the stage, and I was the only one there. And uh, as an extrovert, you know, I realized that there are so many, you know, even an extrovert, you can be stuck in those times and stuck in those places. And feel alone in those in those rooms so I do what I do because I know that there are so many students who live in a different skin and try to put on different faces and different masks and uh, and you know we preach community so much and we preach togetherness so much so it's just that that important to see these students and see every single one not just the go-getters not just the frontliners not just you know the athletes or the you know the this or that the top dogs but every single one um, who may be living in those times. Um, for me, I, I didn't really grow up in, um, in church. And 
for me, it was it was in high school where I met Jesus, and it, it's such a crucial time in these kids' lives where they're developing identities, and 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 we know it, as most of youth pastors, you know, we see them struggle with their identities and who they are and what they identify as, and what it, it, there's so much talk of it nowadays, and it, it just it created in me such a passion for reaching these students um, during this time because that was right in the middle of where I didn't even know who I was, who I was going to be, what I was going to do. Um, and, and I was just lost and I was walking in a fog. And it, it, in the moment that Jesus came into my life, clarity just, it, it just clarity came to my mind. And I didn't know where I was going necessarily, but every step of the way was revealed to me. And, and it was by leaders and people investing in me, as, as some of us have, have said already. And for me, it's just that, that passion to take them to that, just that next step, um, whatever it is. It doesn't, I don't need to take them uh, two, three miles down the road. I just need to take them that next step forward. And um, so that's really what my passion is, um, just for youth. Let's just do two or three more. Got them. Eric? I want to hear from some kids pastors too. Uh, <clears throat> uh, God called me to do it. Uh, I believe in the potential of the students, kids, and youth. Um, there's a lot of kids, kids that we've been ministering. My wife and I do both youth and kids. So we're involved in both, and a lot of a lot of special needs that we're addressing and just customizing the gospel message to them. Um, and I continue to do it because God didn't move me yet. So. Uh, I do what I do because when I was in third grade, I got baptized, and that set my life on um, on a road for God. Um, through junior high and high school, I didn't know God. I didn't go to church. My family didn't go to church, um, but I knew God set me aside at that point in my life. Um, and so through that, and when I graduated high school, right around that time, that's when I found Christ, and that's when I found um, that relationship with my parents separated. And so through that, I knew God set my, that point is a fixed point in my life that I knew God ordained my life for ministry. And that was in third grade when I was baptized. Um, and so that's why I do ministry, because in third grade, God called me. I do it because we get the privilege to shape the landscape of eternity. And one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done and good good and faithful servant. And if he says that to you, it's not because you got compensated here on this earth or things were comfortable or everything went smoothly. It's because as you look across eternity, you see the lives and the people that are standing there because of what you did. So that's why I do it. Um, just to echo that thought, just because like eternity does matter. I remember having to cross the point as a leader and in saying that heaven was not just a theology, but a reality I believed in. Because we had already started in youth ministry and, and I'd come from a, a broken home, so youth ministry meant a lot to me, but I remember in a season, one of the students that we'd spent the most time with, that um, he was like the, my first spiritual son, died in a drowning accident. And it just became such a reality that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And I know as youth pastors, we, we say that from in our altar calls, and we say that messages, if you walked out and you did die tonight, what would happen? But when the moment that that became a reality, that a student, and then it allowed me to look back on all those moments, because this was before we had kids of our own, so I had so many extra time to spend 
with that student pouring into them, it made me see that those things really are worth it. Because we really don't know. We live in a day and age where we feel like people are guaranteed tomorrow, especially young people, and it had just become a reality. And that shaped me of why we do what we do is because it truly is that the chance that some of those students could go and meet Jesus before we expect. And so just that shaped my heart so much that to impact them for eternity. Thank you, Ashton. Ethan. Kind of to echo what Ashton said, uh, when I was a senior in high school, um, one of my teammates that I played ball with uh, was killed in a motorcycle accident. And uh, my best friend tried to commit suicide. And um, growing up, I grew up as a pastor's kid, small church, um, loved it, but it was more of a social club um, to me. You know, uh, just kind of tucked away. You go to church, you go to camp, you do everything. Um, didn't knew I was called into ministry, but even honestly, being a pastor's kid at that point, it was just, hey, just show up and be good enough, and you get to stay a while, kind of deal. And um, it's it changes your perspective. And I realize that complacent Christians don't change anything. Um, they're just stats. Um, they're just ones that show up that say that they have a relationship, and uh, that changed my relationship. And I do what I do because God called me, and I. I refuse the next to let the next generation be the complacent Christians. There's there's too much brokenness. There's too much darkest darkness. There's too much pain for them not to know what Jesus did, and that's why I do what I do. So good, um, <clears throat> man. As I as I hear your whys, um, it just it just really encourages me, um, and. Uh, Here's the reason that I was asking this, and, and, and I, would, I would encourage each and every single one of you that are in this room at some point to journal your why. Write it down. Put it somewhere. Enshrine it. Like, hang it in your office. Put it in, put it in your Bible. Um, hang it up on a mirror at home. I think it's so important to revisit your why as often as possible. Let me just read this verse to you again. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, but a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. The reason that I have you all thinking about your why today is because knowing your why will separate you from being a good shepherd and a hired hand. In those moments when you're like, you know, you're just, you're just getting your head kicked in. It's so important to remember the why. It's so important to return to that Sea of Galilee moment where Jesus called you, where Jesus set you apart, where Jesus puts you on mission. Because as youth pastors and as kids pastors, there are just going to be moments where you are going to encounter a very difficult season. Are you going to be a good shepherd or are you going to be a hired hand? What are you going to do when the wolves from within and the wolves from without, like Paul was talking about, come? What's going to be your response? I think it's so important for us to remember our why. I think it's so important for us to continue to remember our why in, in, in youth ministry and in kids ministry. And I'll even take this to another 
level. I want us to all think about our why, and I want, it to, I want us to say it out loud, and I want us to get in the habit of sharing our why with each other so that when we get in community, we, we start encouraging each other's whys just as much as we're willing to encourage each other's what's. What do you got going on? What are you doing? Well, my youth ministry did this, and then we, we instantly go to the Instagram stuff, right? But if we can encourage each other's whys, it, it just touches something deeper. Man, I see that calling in you. I never knew that about you. I never knew that about you, Quinn. I never knew that about you, Jordan. I never knew that about you, Ethan. I didn't know that that's the source of your passion. And then we encourage that passion, and we point people back to those moments where they were called, where they were set apart, and it reminds us that we can continue to go on, that we can continue to move on. I've had so many moments in my ministry where I've had to come back to my why. Because what was going on was a dumpster fire, <laughs> right? Like, if I have one more person in the church come up and tell me that I'm going to make a great real pastor one day. <laughs> so when are you going to do real ministry? A parent would say, I'm like, when are you? <laughs> you know? Sorry, I didn't know the Shema told you to abdicate your godly responsibility to lead your own child in the way they should go so when they're older they will not depart from it. Do we get salty sometimes? I like it's okay. I, uh, well, Jake doesn't. But man, having that why in front of you is so important. It just gives you such good, and it just gives you such healthy perspective. Why? Because we're not citizens of this earth. You know, in C.S. Lewis's book, I think it's, is it The Weight of Glory? Yeah, it's The Weight of Glory. This is where his unbelievable quote, uh, where he says, you know, we're too easily pleased. We're just too easily satisfied. And, and it's crazy because what C.S. Lewis is talking about is just humanity in general in that moment, right? Like, you know, we, we, we're, we're playing in the mud when we could have a vacation on a, on a Caribbean island in this beautiful place. And obviously the comparison is we're, we're fooling around with temporary trinkets and toys here on earth. And we think that that's what's going to bring us satisfaction. When we have heaven offered to us, like on the daily, we have relationship with God offered to us on the daily. Now, C.S. Lewis was speaking in general, but can I suggest that sometimes we, we're too easily satisfied in ministry as well? Like, we, we take a look at the what's, we take a look at the products, we take a look at the numbers, we take a look at the systems, and we think if we can only get that in our ministry, too easily satisfied. You're too easily satisfied. You're pursuing things that are man-made constructs that you think will make your ministry better when all along you have the very thing that your ministry is all about in Jesus Christ. The good shepherd knows their why. 